0: Two old people in my building died over the weekend. Both on the sixth floor, actually. On Saturday, a note appeared downstairs, written in Spanish, block capitals, blue ballpoint. It announced the passing of a woman named Elida. On Sunday, printed neatly in Catalan, we learned from another note that Joan ensadechat, Joan has left us. I'm assuming that Juan is the guy I saw being carried out on a stretcher on Friday, and that Elida is the lady I see in a wheelchair getting into an ambulance a couple of days a week. I always thought they take or took her to the hospital for dialysis, but that's just a guess. The ambulance company that works in the barrio is called Lázaro, like the guy in the Bible, which I always thought was a bit morbid. Most people in an ambulance would prefer not to get to the point where they need bringing back from the dead, but hey, it's not my company. So today, there's two notes downstairs, on two separate walls, announcing the deaths of two neighbors. I attempt to read something into the fact that one note is in Spanish, and the other in Catalan, but it's all just an act of imagination, who knows. Then, I head off to the park. I've been monk fasting for the last several Mondays. Fasting for 36 to 40 hours from Sunday night till Tuesday morning seems like a less painful way to keep my weight in check than counting carbs or something. It sounds hard, but really, all you need for a 36-hour fast is black coffee and a bit of courage. Your brain will try to talk you into eating something if you're not fully committed. Sitting on the sofa just a few meters from a fridge full of food is a bit counterintuitive. So is going out for a walk past all the bakeries, bars, restaurants, and kebab shops of the barrio if you're not eating all day. Personally, once I get past about 16 hours, I'm not all that hungry. I just have some strange feelings. I can see why ancient cultures used fasting in order to bring on a spiritual experience. From Saint Jerome fasting in the desert to Thai monks eating one meal a day, what the intermittent fasting community calls OMAD, one meal a day. It's all over the world's spiritual traditions. Anyway, by the time I'm out, it's been about 33 hours since my last meal and I feel a bit dizzy. One black coffee later, though, and it's like any other morning. No hunger, just a feeling of focus. Like all my senses are heightened, and I'm ready to take down that woolly mammoth. Hey everybody, it's Daniel. Welcome back to another episode of Spain To Go, the best podcast in the entire multiverse for all things Spain. This is episode 48, and it's about death, fasting, the Virgin Mary an excellent fish curry recipe, public nudity on Spain's beaches, and much more. I do these random thoughts articles on the blog from time to time. I'm not sure if I've recorded any of them for the podcast yet, but occasionally I just write a compendium of things going on and publish it. So here we go. Let's talk about the Virgin Mary. Today is a holiday. There are only a few people out this early in the morning. I walk down to Ciutadela Park, usually a big tourist attraction, but now almost empty. There are a few joggers. A big guy in all black is jogging for some reason barefoot. The refugee types are still in their tents or they're waking up to wash themselves in the public fountains. A few dozen people apparently just live in the park, A few drops of rain start to fall, even though it's mostly sunny. It's hot, sticky, summer. Things are extra quiet today because, like I said, it's a holiday. The Assumption of Mary, to be exact. You know the Immaculate Conception? Well, a lot of people assume that refers to the conception of Jesus while Mary remained a virgin, but no. Actually, it refers to the conception of Mary, free from original sin inside the womb of St. Anne. We celebrate that on December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. However, Mary's conception eventually paved the way for the birth of Jesus, conceived without human seed, fathered only by the Holy Spirit. Later, at the end of her life on earth, Mary was taken up in body and soul to heavenly glory. Presumably, This was possible because she was free from sin and therefore didn't have to pass several eons in purgatory. That's the assumption of Mary. Not to be confused with the ascension when Jesus went to heaven or the annunciation when the angel Gabriel announces to Mary she's carrying the Son of God in her uterus. The assumption when Virgin Mary went to heaven is what we're celebrating today, August 15th. I don't know a lot of practicing Catholics these days, and I doubt your average Spaniard could give a better explanation than I just did, of the Marian dogmas set forth by Popes Pius IX and Pius XII, among others. So, I'm sorry you had to hear it from me, an unenlightened elephant worshiper. But, long story short, it's the Assumption of Mary, and Morena is working from home. Ideally, should be taking a day off, but payroll sales pause for no man or no woman. The team she leads is in the UK, and the UK does not celebrate the Virgin Mary like we do here in Spain, so she's got a few meetings on video. I get home from the park, decide to go out again, then go back home. Around 1pm, Morena's ready to close the laptop and eat, so we make steak and eggs, potatoes, and rice. Nothing makes your steak taste better than waiting a day and a half between meals. After lunch, I lie around for a while, reading the personal memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant in front of the aircon. Grant's descriptions of the Mexican War are interesting confirmations of my history-sucked hypothesis. His nonchalant descriptions of people being blown up are pretty grisly. Then he says, for example, that they all have to hurry to leave Veracruz before the yellow fever outbreak that happens every year decimates the army. Americans were tough people back in those days and used to seeing death all around them. Around five o'clock, Morena is still in meetings and I go for a bike ride. I decide to turn north for a change, or not north per se, but what I call north. All Barcelona is arranged on a grid between the beach and the mountains. So most of the longest streets are parallel to the coast. What I call North is basically Northwest in the direction of the mountains, but living in Phoenix and Madrid, I got used to calling things North and South and old habits die hard. Riding North in any case, I'm soon in Gracia where they're doing their annual neighborhood block party. It's not really Assumption of Mary themed, mostly it's famous because the streets are decorated with large fanciful scenes made of paper mache. There are also typical giant costumes, occasional concerts, and plenty of public drinking. I guess it's fun for some, but I've always been a bit underwhelmed. Am I the only one who thinks Barcelona is overrated? Probably not but Barcelona truthers are certainly in a minority. Michael Booth, whose book about Scandinavia I read for my recent trip up to the Swedish utopia, that would be episode, God knows what, 45 it looks like, of the podcast, he said, for example, in his book, all those lists of the best cities to live in are always made up of places with clean streets, cycle paths, and touring productions of Phantom of the Opera, like Bern or Toronto. It is never the really scintillating, stimulating places like New York or Barcelona. Scintillating, stimulating, like New York or Barcelona. I'm not sure what to make of that. It is mighty scintillating, I admit, stepping through puddles of old urine every time I leave the house in the morning watching out in case I get pickpocketed or worse, wandering between dilapidated buildings in search of overpriced coffee, sweating through two or three t-shirts a day. Maybe I'm the wrong person to talk about it, but people ask me all the time, having lived in both, do I prefer Madrid or Barcelona? And the answer is always Madrid. I even wrote about it back when I was doing the Lonely Planet thing, They commissioned an article about whether I preferred Madrid or Barcelona. I tried to be wishy-washy and not come down on one side or the other, but the editor insisted that I choose and I chose Madrid. It's better. Anyway, up in Gracia, someone's spray-painted Tourists Go Home in block capitals on a lot of the busiest street corners some Catalan kid, presumably, who spent his whole allowance on spray paint. I always wonder about the mental gymnastics that the tourists-go-home people manage to pull off. Have they never been on vacation? Or are they special little snowflakes who somehow manage to blend in with the locals everywhere they go? I don't know. Maybe they're just dumb. A few blocks uphill near Parque Güell There's a Casa Cupa, an old Guardia Civil barracks full of squatters who have put up a banner saying, ni turists, ni especuladores, ni rics." Tourists go home, refugees welcome. That would be no tourists, no real estate speculators, no rich people. Tourists go home, refugees welcome. I don't like it when signs tell me what to do. Then again, as a six-foot-tall bearded ginger immigrant business owner, I'm not really sure where I fit into the leftist hierarchy of evil bad guys ruining the city. Most people who see me probably think I'm a tourist, but I may, in fact, be the capitalist oppressor. Or maybe I'm giving myself too much credit, here sweating through my second t-shirt of the day. Back in Gracia, they're about to start a parade. There are the gigants, some guys dressed in all-white with bells on their espadrilles, people playing bagpipes, drummers, and for some reason, several people on horseback, all waiting around for police to close off the street. I walk my bike through all the pedestrians and the huge piles of horse shit, past more tourist-go-home graffiti, then hop back into the saddle and coast downhill to my favorite bar in Bourne. My first few months of sobriety, I had no idea that most places serve alcohol-free beer, but they do, and it's not bad. At least part of the reason I spent so much time drinking in the past was because I wanted an excuse to be outside, and one can only have so much coffee in a day. Born is empty, a lot of people are probably on vacation celebrating the Assumption of Mary at some remote beach or in the Pueblo, or ruining someone else's city with their evil tourist euros. The rest are up in Gracia. August is always a quiet month. A lot of things are closed for those famously long European vacations. Even the news is boring. This week, things are so slow that I've seen several articles about the worrying decline in nudism on Spanish beaches. It's even gotten to the point that the nudists are offended by people in normal swimwear invading their spaces. Officially, you can practice public nudity wherever you want. It's constitutionally protected free speech, at least according to the legal interpretations of online nudists. I would try to confirm that before just walking down your street naked if I were you. But in practice, Legal or not, naked people want to be naked surrounded by their own kind. And that flimsy piece of nylon covering your junk is ruining their vibe. I wonder if the fact that everyone on the planet is now carrying a high-definition camera with them has something to do with the decline in nudism and toplessness on Spanish beaches. In any case, younger generations just don't seem to be interested. Or is it that younger people aren't as interested in being natural as people a few decades ago were? Everything is a pose, and you can't really pose naked on a beach for Instagram, so public nudity is on the decline. Here's another hypothesis. Maybe the fact that there are 7.2 trillion hours of new pornography online every day has made nudity just a completely different proposition now than it was in the past. I don't know. I briefly consider riding down to the beach to see if I can spot some geriatric Catalan Wang. Purely for journalistic purposes, you understand. But looking at my watch, I see it's almost time to go home for dinner. Morena's making her famous coconut milk fish curry, and that's a big event for me. Lacking any other way to end this series of random thoughts, here's the recipe. Sputter some mustard seeds and a little bit of coconut oil, then add a couple of slivered onions. Saute for a few minutes, then add a tablespoon or so of tomato paste. Mix that up a bit. Add some turmeric, pepper, and paprika, spicy paprika. Then add your fish. We used salmon this time, Cook the fish for a couple of minutes on each side, then add a cup of coconut milk, and simmer for a few minutes more until the fish is done. Serve with rice and vegetables. I'm not sure if this is an authentic Kerala recipe or what, they certainly don't have a lot of salmon out there in Trivandrum, but it definitely works with salmon as well as mackerel and probably other types of fish. I bet you never thought you needed your salmon floating in coconut milk before now, but try it. You'll see. It's great. Anyway, Mark Kurlansky in The Basque History of the World just drops fish recipes into several chapters of his book. And he's a real serious writer. Not like me. I'm barely a writer at all. Just a hungry wanderer through piss-filled alleys, recording my random thoughts while on a constant search, For coffee or other hydration. That's all I've got for today. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. As usual, I'm Daniel from beautiful scintillating Barcelona. Wrapping this up for now. As long as we're here, though, let me give you a little call to action. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, in a special section of my Spain to go YouTube channel. Actually, no, it's not called Spain to go on YouTube. It's called learn Spanish with Daniel on YouTube. And you can also learn some Spanish from me. That's exciting. I'm making more videos these days about Spanish. I've got, I don't know, about 50 up there already. I think talking about vocabulary, grammar, and much more. Just Google Learn Spanish for Daniel or check the description here. I'll put in a link. Anyway, that's one way you can support the podcast. You could also go to expatmadrid.com and read some of my writing. A lot of my articles make it onto the podcast as a narration, but a lot of them also just stay on the blog. I recently wrote about the history of romantic love, for example, and I talk about how technology is changing our ways of relating to each other. It also presumably changes how people see themselves naked, which could have something to do with the worrying decline in public nudity. Maybe read that article and find out. It is on the blog, it is called a History of Romantic Love from Exodus to OnlyFans. That would be the book of Exodus in the Bible. I go in-depth in that one. Anyway, it's kind of a fun thing you could check out. I might record it for the podcast eventually, or I might not. You could go to expatmadrid.com donate, and you could send me some money. I am drinking a lot of coffee these days as well as sparkling water non-alcoholic beer things like that tonic water is actually a pretty good substitute for gin and tonic just leave out the gin and it's quite refreshing anyway that's another way you could support me expatmadrid.com slash donate buy me a virtual tonic water or a virtual whatever you want virtual agua con gas You could go to expatmadrid.com slash contact and write me a message. Write about whatever you want. I love hearing from people who listen to the podcast. There are more every day. The number is still not huge. So if you write to me, you've got a 100% chance of receiving a reply at this point. Later, if I end up getting a larger audience for this, it will be more difficult reply to everything, so you might uh, have more of a wait if you're writing to me, I don't know, in 2025 or something. Right now, summer 2023, I got lots of free time to respond to podcast listeners. I've written a dozen books. You don't need to buy any of them because they're all for Spanish people trying to learn English, Spanish-speaking people trying to learn English. And if you've been listening to my podcast till this point, you definitely do not need my help learning English. However, you might have Spanish speaking friends who would enjoy receiving a copy of my books. I've got books from Inglés Básico, starting from absolute zero all the way up. My guide to colloquial English, which explains all kinds of sexy, dirty things that you might hear. On the streets or between the sheets, as well as, you know, the typical expressions about food, jobs, death, family, whatever. There's lots of stuff in there. It's called Ingles Colloquial, Vocabulario y Expresiones Esenciales, or something to that effect. I don't have a copy right here in front of me. I don't remember exactly the subtitle. Ingles Colloquial, in any case, colloquial English. You can check out everything from me on Amazon just. Make sure you spell my name correctly when you put it into the Amazon search. Daniel Welsh, W-E-L-S-C-H. Nothing more for today. Nada más por hoy. I hope you have a great day wherever you are in the world. And till next time, hasta la próxima. Bye.